is full of his glory because nothing can contain the glory of God. Amen. And I'm thankful that his glory is upon us tonight. For those of you who haven't been with us for the past few weeks, we've been uh, looking at spiritual disciplines. We're going to continue on them as long as the Holy Spirit directs me. In a few minutes, I'll tell you what we've covered so far and where we might go. But as always, we need the Holy Spirit to be with us, to anoint me and to anoint you. Amen. So how many of you are ready? Confess, I need God. Amen. So let's just take a time of prayer and invite God one more time. Heavenly Father, I thank you that the whole earth is filled with your glory. Tonight, Father God, we pray that we would be filled with your glory, God, that we would open up our hearts, that we would open up our lives and allow the glory of God to just have its way in our life. I pray, God, that you would anoint my lips to bring forth your word with truth and with clarity. I pray, God, that there would be no obstacles or hindrances to the delivering of your word or the receiving of your word. I pray that every ear would uh, be able to hear, that every heart would be equipped to receive, and that, Father God, the soil of our soul would be prepared enough to, to allow the word of God to find fertile ground so that we might bear fruit and fruit that will last. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. 
Thank you that you've never failed us in the past and you're not going to fail us again tonight. I thank you that I don't have to stand here alone and I thank you that your people don't have to sit there alone because you're with us and we give you the praise for it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Uh, before I start, I want to I want to just follow up on what Pastor had announced concerning the men's pancake and eggs breakfast. The reason that we're asking you guys to be a part of that, obviously, is so we can just grow together in the Lord, grow together in fellowship. We're asking if at all possible, if you can buy the ticket before that event, it just helps us to plan. But if you if you can't get your ticket beforehand, don't feel like you can't show up. You can get a ticket. You can get a space while you're there. So if you wake up Saturday morning and say, hey, I'm hungry for some breakfast. If the Lord nudges you in the middle of the night and says, I want you to be there. Don't use the excuse. I didn't get a ticket and I can't get one because we'll have a seat waiting for you. Amen. So I just want to encourage you to be a part of that. For those, like I said, who haven't been with us for a few weeks, we're going to pick up where we left off a couple weeks ago on our series of spiritual disciplines. And I want to remind you first that we are building this entire series on the words of Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, when he spoke to Timothy and he said, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. The whole series that I'm going through is going to be built upon this one simple verse, we're going to use a lot of other verses as we go, but Timothy, or Paul was saying to Timothy, discipline yourself, Timothy, so that you might take on the character of Jesus Christ, so that you might become a reflection of the Father, so that you might become a reflection of heaven and not earth. Because how many of you know that we are not to be conformed to this earth? We're not to be conformed to this world. We're not to be like it in any way. We're not supposed to talk like it, dress like it, act like it, do business like it, conduct ourselves like this world, but rather we're to be transformed, the Bible says, by the renewing of our mind so that we might prove that which is the good and acceptable and perfect will of the Father. And I want you to understand without spiritual discipline in our life, we can't even come close to accomplishing that. Amen. We cannot be a reflection of the Father. We cannot be like Christ. We'll be more like the world than we are like God if we don't have spiritual discipline in our life. So that's the foundation of the, the series that we're looking at. And I hope that we have learned enough so far to understand that without spiritual discipline, we cannot be like Christ. We cannot be a reflection of heaven. Before I go on, I also, maybe some of you are here, but I want to thank God for the 80 individuals who were baptized in water last week. Amen. We can bless the Lord for that. Because those individuals, church, were practicing spiritual discipline. They were demonstrating their devotion to God. They were demonstrating their devotion to Jesus Christ. They were doing the things that they felt necessary to draw closer to the Lord. And again, that's what this whole series is about. Spiritual discipline is, is, is us just practicing habits of devotion. It is drawing closer to the Lord through these uh, spiritual disciplines that we're going to look at over the weeks. But that's what this whole series is about. So far, we've looked at the purpose of discipline, the purpose of the spiritual disciplines that we've uh, looked at and going to look at. We've looked at the, the spiritual discipline of scriptural intake, the hearing of God's word, the reading of God's word, the studying of God's word. And the last time that we were together two weeks ago before the baptism, uh, week of baptism, we started on the discipline of prayer. And what we always have to understand, church, is that without the Word of God in our life, it's why I brought that one first, it's the most important, without the Word of God in our life and without prayer, 
Without those two foundational spiritual disciplines, we cannot be like Christ. We cannot be godly. We cannot be holy. We cannot be righteous. We cannot be, uh, we cannot demonstrate the character of God and of Christ in our life. And especially, we cannot prove that which is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God for our lives. You can try all you want. But I want you to know that without the word of God and without the spiritual discipline of prayer in your life, you cannot prove to anybody what the will of God in your life is all about. You can't. I mean, you'll, you, you might go a day trying to be good, but eventually your goodness is going to run out. Eventually your own righteousness is going to run out. This is why we must have spiritual discipline in our lives. I believe one of the greatest reasons, if not the greatest reason, church, that the people of God struggle in their faith walk. The greatest reason that people struggle in their Christianity and being that imitation of Jesus Christ. One of the the greatest reasons, and I believe the greatest reason, that it is so difficult for some, some people to be a reflection of the Father, to talk like Christ and walk like Christ and live like Christ and conduct themselves like Christ, is because they do not have the Word of God in their life and because they do not pray. These are the two number one reasons that if you do not have these disciplines in your life, you're going to fail, you're going to fall, you're not going to be a reflection of the Father. So we need to understand that this is one of the greatest reasons that we struggle, church, is because we have a faulty foundation and because we have a broken relationship with the Father. I'm not saying that in a condemning way. I'm just letting you uh, know that prayer is a demonstration of an unbroken relationship with the Father. You see, the individual that prays and has the, the discipline of prayer in their life is demonstrating that their relationship with God is healthy and not broken. You see, you need to understand, and I need to understand, that when I'm not praying, there's something about my relationship with God that's broken. When I'm not communicating to my Father, there's something that has to be fixed. There's something that's not right. When I am not in constant communication with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and my Abba Father, which art in heaven, there's something that is broken and it needs to be fixed. You see, you and I can go through our whole life thinking everything's A-OK, but the number one or two things that you can look at to, 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 to uh, distinguish or understand or try to figure out if my relationship with God is OK, it's whether or not you're in the Word of God and whether or not you're communicating with God. If you're not doing that, something's wrong. If you're not doing that, something's not right. If you're not doing that, it's time to take out your spiritual toolbox and fix that which is broken. And this is what Paul was talking to Timothy about. We need to understand that prayer is a demonstration, church, of our devotion to God. You and I cannot be devoted to God without prayer. We cannot be devoted to God without the Word of God regularly coming into our life. We might want to be, we might strive to be, but we cannot be devoted to God without the spiritual discipline of prayer at the foundation of your faith. Prayer is a solemn commitment to Jesus Christ. And like I said, if you're not practicing that discipline, something needs to be examined. Something needs to be fixed. The other point I want you to remember that I touched on a couple weeks ago is that God expects us to pray. 
When God talks about prayer in the word of God, and especially the two passages that I'm going to give you, he doesn't just suggest it and he doesn't just recommend it. He doesn't just throw it out there as an option to our faith. It's not this type of thing while well, you can do it or you can't do it. And if you do, it's OK. And if you don't, it's OK. You can still have a, a relationship with God and you can still mature and you can still be victorious. No, the reality is you do have the option whether or not you want to pray. You do have have the choice and I have the choice whether or not I want to communicate with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords or if I want to ignore him and try to do life all on my own. But the truth is that it's not going to work unless you have the discipline of prayer in your life. God expects it from his children. He expects it from his sons and from his daughters. And that's you and me. Colossians 4.2 demonstrates this when Paul speaks again the words of God. Understand every time we read the word of God, whether Paul was the author, James was the author, Timothy was the author, the author is God. It's God speaking, not man speaking. Man was just the utensil like me tonight. I'm asking God to speak through me. I'm asking God to speak his words. And this is what God says in uh, Colossians 4 2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. And what this word means is to consecrate yourself to prayer. It means to dedicate yourself to prayer. When Paul spoke these words, he said, I want you to make prayer a priority in your life. I want it to be a staple in your life. I want it to be something that you know and understand you can't live without, breathe without, and exist without. It needs to become a foundation of your faith, a building block to spiritual maturity. What Paul was saying when he said devote yourself to prayer was don't let anything get in the way of prayer. Don't let work get in the prayer. Don't let life get in the way of prayer. Don't let business or money or finances or the troubles of life. Don't let your kids get in the way of prayer or your spouse get in the way of prayer. Don't let your duties and the responsibility of this, this earth that is passing away. You see, all of us have earthly responsibilities and duties that we have to live up to. But none of those responsibilities should ever get in the way of our heaven. Heavenly responsibilities and those heavenly responsibilities are to get into the word of God. And the other one is to pray to God. And when things listen to me, when the when the responsibilities of this world that is passing away, get in the way of your heavenly responsibilities to your father, which is in heaven, something's broken. Something needs to be realigned. The priorities need to be put back in place so God in heaven can bless your earthly duties and responsibilities. When we get them mixed up, when we get them backwards, God can't bless the things we do here on earth. He, he cannot bless the labor of our hands. When the earthly things we do become more important than the heavenly things God's called us to do, He takes His hands off and He lets us struggle until we get our responsibilities back in order. If you're struggling with your earthly responsibilities, the first thing you have to ask yourself, am I being faithful to my heavenly responsibilities? Have I forsaken God? Have I mixed up my priorities? Am I in the word of God? And, and, and am I in communication with God? This is what Paul meant when he talked about disciplining yourself, Timothy, for the purpose of godliness. I know it. I know it's not exactly what he said, but it's the heart and the letter of what he said, and it's backed up by the other words that Paul speaks farther along as we go. Don't ever allow prayer to become overshadowed in your life, because we cannot live without it, church. Prayer is our connection to the Father. 
Prayer is what keeps you close to the king. Prayer, church, is is what creates intimacy with the Father. You want to get intimate with somebody? Begin to talk to them. You want to get intimate with someone? Spend some time with them. You want to get intimate with someone? Begin to share your cares and your concerns with them. Begin to share your burdens with them. Begin to share your dreams and your desires with them. You want to get intimate with someone? Open up your heart and pour out the burden of your soul. And you will get intimate with someone. You see, prayer is a demonstration of our desire to be intimate with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's a a demonstration of our desire to be right by God, to do what God wants us to do, say what God wants us to say, go where God wants us to go, yield ourselves the way God wants us to be yielded. We cannot be intimate with God without prayer in our life. Without prayer, we'll be a stranger. Without prayer, we'll be nothing more than a stepchild. Without prayer, we will not be the inherited sons and daughters of the Most High God. You and I must pray in order to have an intimacy with God. To have a deep understanding of who God is and who we are. If you're not praying, you don't know who God is. If you're not praying, you don't know who you are. You and I are sons and daughters of the Most High God, the Holy One of Israel, the Creator of heaven and earth. And we have every right through the blood of Jesus Christ to get up close to God and communicate with Him. To pour out our heart, to pour out our soul, to share our hopes and our dreams, to share our sadnesses and our sorrows, to seek communication and direction from Him. Without prayer, we're lost. Without prayer, we're lost. We're hopelessly lost in our own strength and our own abilities and our own wisdom. Because that will only get you so far. And I'm going to look at that again later. don't want to get ahead of myself. But prayer is our connection to the Father. Prayer is also, church, a form of humility. You see, prayer announces to God and it announces to everyone around you that I can't do this on my own. You see, prayer, when you bend down, announces to God that I need your help, Lord. I can't do this thing called life on my own. I can't do marriage on my own. I can't do my money on my own. I can't do fatherhood on my own or motherhood on my own. I can't run this business on my own. I can't do this job on my own. You see, prayer is is an ultimate form of humility that says, God, I need your help. Because I can't do this on my own. You see, the world says God is a crutch. The world says God is uh, a prayer is nothing more than a crutch. If I need God as a crutch, I'll be the first to admit it. I need God. I need God. I need His wisdom. I need His strength. I need His anointing. I need His power. I need His grace. I need His mercy. I need him. I can't stand up here on my own. I need God to bring forth the word of God. My power, my strength, my wisdom, my abilities, my power is extremely limited. And it will only get me so far and it will only get you so far. But prayer is the ultimate form of humility that says, God, I cannot do this on my own. You see, the reality is the proud don't pray. Because they don't think they need God. They don't think they need God's help. They think they got it all together. I got enough money to get me through. I got enough connections to get me through. I got enough, uh, I got enough power and prestige to get me through. I got everything that I need to make it. I don't need you, God. I don't need the word. I don't need to pray. I can do it all on my own. 
And somewhere along the way, God lets them know, no, you can't. You see, he lets us go so far before we realize we're not all that in a bag of chips. We're not everything we think we are. And we need to realize that we need God. You see, you need to understand what I'm talking about. Uh, The proud don't pray, and when they do pray, their prayers aren't effective. The only prayer that God hears from the proud is is a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer of humility that finally bends its knee. You see, the difference is, you all should know the story about the Pharisee and the publican that went into the temple one day to pray. And the Pharisee went in, in his own righteousness. He, the Bible says, he stood before the Lord. He didn't bend his knee. He didn't bow his heart. He didn't put down his head. He stood before the Lord in his own righteousness. He stood before the Lord in his own deeds and in his own goodness. He stood before the Lord and said, oh God, I'm thankful that I'm not like that person. I'm thankful that I'm better than them, that I don't talk like them and sin like them. I'm thankful that I'm all this. He had no humility. God did not hear his prayer, the Bible said. He stood before the Lord in pride, and his prayer was overlooked. But when it got to the publican, the Bible said he found himself to the back of the room. He bent his knee, and he bowed his head, and he began to beat upon his heart, and he said, Have mercy on me, O God. I'm a sinner. I need you. That man might think he doesn't need you. That person might think they don't need you. But God, I need you. I need your mercy and I need your grace because without you I am lost and I have absolutely nothing. You see, prayer is the ultimate form of humility. Right prayer, righteous prayer is the ultimate form of humility. If your prayers aren't being answered, there's a lot of reasons prayer's not answered and I'm not going to get into it tonight, but one of the reasons might be you got a little pride mixed up in your prayer. Maybe you've not bent your heart low enough. Maybe you've not bent your knee low enough. Maybe you've not emptied yourself enough to let the power of God have its way in your life. That's one of the reasons why prayer is not answered. It's why the Pharisees wasn't even heard. But it's why the publicans was responded to. That man, the Bible says, went away justified. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If any man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Then he stops and says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, he's reminding us, church, that when we separate ourselves from the Father, we can't do diddly. When we separate ourselves from the Father, we're only going to get so far. When you take the gas tank off of your car, watch how far you go. You're not going to get very far. You'll get a little ways on the fume. You'll get a little ways on the stuff that might be stuck in the lines. But if you take out that tank and it's on empty, you're not going to get very far. Jesus said, Jesus said, these were his words, apart from me, you can do nothing. The reality is, apart from the vine, we're going to wither up and die, church. Apart from the vine, we can't bear fruit. Apart from the vine, we can't produce. Apart from the vine, we cannot live. Apart from the vine, we can do nothing. And the same is true when it comes to spiritual discipline. Without the Word of God and without prayer, our spirits are going to wither. Without the Word of God and constant communication with God, our spirits are going to die. Without the Word of God and without prayer... You cannot bear fruit. 
You cannot produce. You cannot multiply your faith in anyone else's life. You cannot answer the high call of Jesus Christ. You cannot go into the highways and the byways and share the good news of Jesus Christ if you don't know it yourself, if you're not in constant communication with the Lord. Apart from me, apart from these spiritual disciplines, I believe we can say we can't do anything because we need God. We need him in word and we need him in prayer. We need him in word and we need him in spirit. And these two disciplines is how we have or, or allow God to have his way in our lives. Without prayer, I don't, I, I don't believe we can be dead to sin and alive to Jesus Christ. It's why, it's why I believe we have so many dead Christians. It's because they don't pray. Because they don't have the, the bread of what's it? Life. When you don't have life, you're dead. So if you don't have the bread of life, your spirit is dead. If you're not communicating with the giver of life, you're dead. If you're not connected to the vine, you're dead. This is what Paul is communicating to us. Without these spiritual disciplines in our life, we're going to wither up, we're going to die, and we're not going to be any of any value to the kingdom of God. Discipline yourself, Paul said, for the purpose of godliness, so that you might be a reflection of heaven and a reflection of the Father. The house of God is filled. Listen, the house of God is filled. I'm, I'm talking about the house of God, not just the world. I'm talking about the house of God, just like Paul spoke to, just like Paul wrote the letters to. But the house of God is filled with dry marriages because those marriages don't have the word of God and because they don't have prayer. It's because they're not praying one with another and they're not praying for one another. That's why marriages are dead. I want you to understand that families are dead today because they do not have the word of God at their foundation and they do not have prayer. They've got nothing more than now I lay me down to sleep and God is good and God is great. Let us thank him for the food or however you say that. That's why families are dead because they don't have the spiritual discipline of the word of God and prayer in their life. And then they wonder why all hell is breaking loose because they're not praying. The reason that there's so many of our finances in the house of God are dead and families are dead and relationships are dead. It's not because of the economy. It's because we don't have the word of God at the foundation of our lives. And we do not have this thing called prayer. There's an interesting statistic. The, the schools that we send our kids to are failing, not because we haven't sent them enough money, not because they didn't get a big enough uh, bailout check. It's because they have removed what? The word of God and prayer. If you look at the statistics, you will find that we had the number one education system in the world until they removed the word of God and prayer. Then the schools started failing. Listen to me. I don't I don't care how many Christian school teachers are in your school. I don't care how many Christian kids go to school. The schools will still fail until the word of God and prayer make their way back to the school. This is what we need. We need it in our nation. We need it in our schools. We need it in our household. We need it in our lives. We cannot live without the word of God and prayer. And yet we act like we can. 
We act like it's enough to just say, well, I'm a and I'm, I'm not condemning any Christian school teachers or educators. Listen to me. It's not enough to just say, I'm a Christian teacher. I bring God with me. You need to pray that the spirit of prayer take over that school and the word of God makes its way back. Because until we do, the schools will fail. Don't care how much money goes its way. It will wither up and die. Because apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. I don't know why it's so difficult for the world and the church to understand that and grasp that, that our schools started to wither up as soon as we removed the Word of God in prayer. I don't get it. It's not that hard to figure out. And God's asking us the same thing. You've got trouble in your marriage, but you're not praying. You've got trouble with your sons and your daughters, but you're not praying. You're not laying your hands on them. You're not speaking blessings into their life. You're not coming against the enemy in prayer. You're wondering why your finances are all falling apart. You're running to this banker and running to that banker, and you're loaning from this guy and loaning from that guy, when all along you've never gotten down on your knees and called on Jehovah Jireh, my provider. This is what God is talking about. I know it might be difficult, but listen, prayer isn't easy. Spiritual discipline is called that for a reason. Because it's discipline. Because it's not easy. You and I have to take pains when it comes to spiritual discipline, or we will not win. We sang that song. Sometimes the fight, what is it, might not be easy. Sometimes you gotta fight for victory, but every time you gotta pray for victory. Victory doesn't just happen along. It comes to the faithful. It comes to the discipline. It comes to those who pray. What does it say? God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Who keep on praying, keep on singing, keep on reading, keep on fighting, keep on marching, keep on dancing, keep on praising. He doesn't reward those who give up as soon as one thing goes wrong and say, that's it. That's all I can give God. No, it's not. Because God will not put on you a burden that that he will not give you the, the strength to endure, the Bible says. If he puts you through a fire... He gives you everything you need to go through that fire. If he puts you through a flood, he'll give you the lifeboat you need to get through that flood. He'll do whatever he has to do. If he puts you in it, he'll take you out of it. So don't say, I can't do it, because guess what? You can't do it. But with God, all things are possible. With God on our side, we can make it through everything that comes our way. This is, this is what this whole discipline there, this series of spiritual discipline is about, church. It's so we can make it to the end. So we can get to the other side of the sea and not be lost in the middle of the storm. Discipline yourself. It's not always easy, church. I want you to remember, and I think it was in the early studies that we did, the, demonstra- or the, the definition of discipline is gymnasia. This was the word that Paul used. It meant it, discipline. He used the word gymnasia, which means gymnastics or gymnasium. Which to me, what Paul is saying to us, guess what? 
Spiritual discipline requires a little bit of exercise. Spiritual discipline requires a little bit of work. It's going to take a little bit of pain. It's going to take a little bit of effort. Your muscles don't just happen. They, they require a little bit of workout. Spiritual maturity and discipline, we've learned. It, this is what it requires. It is a spiritual exercise. He was talking about taking pains to develop ourselves spiritually. The English translation is this. The English definition it refers to a training, and I want you to get this. A training that corrects, meaning something's not right. If something needs to be corrected, guess what? There's something not right there. But what it's saying, it's referring to a training that corrects and molds and perfects the mental faculties as well as the moral character of an individual. I'll say it again. It is a training that corrects and molds and perfects the mental faculties and the moral character of an individual. You see, when Paul was talking about spiritual discipline, he was talking about a spiritual training that has the ability to correct and mold and perfect your mental faculties and your moral character. In other words, what he's saying is that without these discipline in your life, something's not going to be right. Something won't be in order. Your mind's going to be messed up. Your morality is going to be perverted. It's not going to be righteous. It's not going to be godly. It's not going to be holy. That's why he said you must discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness because without it you cannot be like God. This is what spiritual discipline is all about and this is what he is calling us to. You've got to understand church this is why Paul used the word discipline Because it's not always easy. It's not always easy. It doesn't always produce. Prayer doesn't always produce immediate results. We live in a society where we got to have everything right now. Got to have it right now. Uh, And if we don't have it now, what? Boy, do we get an attitude. And we treat God the same way. But the, the, the spiritual discipline of prayer does not always produce immediate results. But if you will not grow weary in well-doing, the Bible says, you will reap a harvest. You will reap the answers to those prayers. You will reap the the fruit and the bountiful blessing that those prayers might produce a week from now, a month from now, a year from now. If what? If you don't give up. Those who have practiced spiritual discipline aren't quitters. What Paul is talking about here is he's saying, Timothy, guess what? I don't want you to be a quitter because quitters can't do anything for the kingdom. I don't want you to be a quitter, Timothy, because hell and high water is going to come your way. Difficulty is going to come your way. The enemy is going to come your way. All hell is going to break loose against your life as you try to stand for the king. But Timothy, listen, I don't want you to quit. I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to throw in the towel. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to discipline yourself. I want you to take pains to be like God. Because there's going to be a lot of people around you, Timothy, that won't. There's got to be a lot of people that won't endure. There's going to be a lot of people that won't pray. There's going to be a lot of people that will give up and turn their back on God. There's going to be a lot of people that will come to church and listen to the pastor once or twice, then walk out the door and say, no, it's not for me. There'll be a lot of people that will want their ears tickled, Timothy. But I want you to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness because only the godly 
will make it to heaven. And only the godly Timothy will have an impact on this world. Only the godly will find my favor. Only the godly will find my anointing. Only the godly will receive supernatural power and direction in their life. And I want you to be godly, Timothy. And he wants us to be godly as well. How many of you want to be godly? Takes the spiritual discipline of the word of God and prayer. We also looked at 1 Thessalonians 5.17. I'm going to keep, I'm going to try to get through this as quick as I can. But we need to understand that not only did God call us to devote ourselves to prayer. He said that we are to pray continually. He said we are to pray continually. We are to be devoted continually in prayer. We're to be devoted to continual communication with the Father. You see, when he said that, and I told you a couple weeks ago, it doesn't mean that you need to go into the prayer closet. It doesn't mean you need to become a monk and go up on some high mountaintop and close yourself away with God for 24 hours a day for the rest of your life. Sometimes you do need to press away. Sometimes you do need to take a weekend. Sometimes you do need to take a week. Sometimes you got to take that 40 days like Moses and some other people did to get alone with God, to hear from God. But praying continually doesn't mean that you're going to spend the rest of your life from now until God comes back locked up in a closet. Is it just communicating? What it means, church, is that we must never lose contact with God. It means that no matter what you're doing, where you're at, who you're with, what you're in the middle of, you should never lose contact with God. That's what it means. 24-7, we should be in an attitude of prayer. 24-7, we should be ready to connect to God. 24-7, we should always be on, like I told you, today's internet, always on. This is what we're talking about when he said continually be in prayer. Like I said last time we were together, there's dozens of scriptures that I could have used, church, to lay the foundation for this discipline of prayer. But I used these two. I used the one in Colossians and and, uh, Thessalonians because these two promote prayer as a direct command from God. When you read these two verses, you, you need to understand that he does not present them as an option. He does not present when he says, devote yourself to prayer. He doesn't say, devote yourself to prayer unless. He doesn't say, devote yourself to prayer unless you don't have enough time. He doesn't say, devote yourself to prayer unless you got more than one kid. And then I understand. He doesn't say, uh, devote yourself to prayer. And he doesn't say, pray continually unless you've got far too many responsibilities. He doesn't say, uh, devote yourself to prayer and pray continually unless you're having a, a tough day today. He doesn't say, devote yourself to prayer and pray continually unless you're sick. He, doesn't, he does not give us an out. Do you understand what I'm saying? He is saying, I want you to devote yourself to prayer and I want you to pray continually. I want you to pray whether it's sunny or whether it's cloudy. I want you to pray whether you got money in the bank or whether you got no money at all. I want you to pray whether or not you're driving in a Lincoln Continental or whether you're driving in a jalopy that you picked up at some yard sale. He's he's saying, I want you to pray whether you got on a three-piece suit or whether you got on rags that you got from somebody out of a, out of a bin. He's saying, I want you to pray whether you got your name up in lights or you got nobody knows your name at all. I want you to be devoted to prayer and I want you to pray with without ceasing because every single one of us need God every hour of the day every minute of the day it doesn't matter how popular you are or how much of a peon you are you need God amen and here's what we need to understand church it is a direct command from God 
This is what it means. It means that too little time or too many responsibilities or too many kids or too little experience or too little desire or too little opportunity does not exempt you and me from praying. Doesn't. It doesn't. He takes all of that into consideration and and realizes that because of those things, we need prayer even more. If you got five kids running around, I'm telling you, you need to pray. You need to pray. If your finances aren't in order, you need to pray. If you're without a job, you need to pray. You don't need to fret. You don't need to worry. You don't need to get anxious. You don't need to get mad at God. You need to pray. If your marriage is on the rocks, guess what? You need to pray. If your son or your daughter is not where they need to be with God, if one of them's locked up in jail, if one of them's on drugs, if one of them just seems to be living wild and loose, guess what? You need to pray. More than any time, God understands the trouble that we're going to go to in life. And because of it, he says, be devoted to prayer and pray continually. And when you do, you're going to make it through all of these storms. You're going to make it all the way to the end. Martin Luther, listen, Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, but the reformer of the early church. This is what he said. As it is the business of tailors to make clothes and cobblers to make shoes, so it is the business of all Christians to pray. And I want you to hear that just as it is, and put it in modern terms, just as it is the business of teachers to teach and preachers to preach and pilots to fly and chefs to cook and dancers to dance and football players to play football. So it is the business of every confessed Christian to open up their hearts and open up their mouths and pray. Listen, the truth is if a tailor stopped making clothes, he would no longer be a tailor. And I hope you kind of get where I'm going. If a teacher stopped teaching, they would no longer be a teacher. If a chef stopped cooking, they'd no longer be a chef. If a dancer stopped dancing, they'd no longer be a dancer. If a pilot stopped flying, they'd no longer be a pilot. You know what they would all be? They'd be retired. They wouldn't be what they confess to be. They'd be retired. And the sad truth is, church, when it comes to the business of Christianity... When it comes to the business of being like God, when it comes to the business of being like Christ and being a reflection of the Father, we've got far too many people in the house of God who have retired from the faith. Why? Because they're not praying. You see, there's no such thing as a retired saint. There's no such thing as a retired righteous one. There's no such thing as a retired son or daughter of the Most High God. You know what those individuals are truly called? They're called unfaithful. They're not called. There's no such thing as a retired saint. It's an unfaithful saint. When God calls us to pray, it means we're supposed to pray. When He calls us to get into the Word of God, it means we're supposed to get into the Word of God. And when we don't, we're a lot more than retired We're unfaithful. And God cannot use nor bless an unfaithful saint. These disciplines are more than just options or suggestions. They are commands for every son or daughter that says, I'm a Christian. When somebody comes to me, I thought about this when I was praying, when I was preparing. When somebody comes to me and says, I'm a Christian, you know, one of the first things I want to say is, Are you reading the Bible and you're praying? Because if you're not, you're not a Christian. If you're not, you're not a Christian. If you're sitting here tonight and you're saying, I'm a Christian, but you're not, you're not reading the word and you're not praying, you're not a Christian. Why can I say that? Because Christian means to be like Christ. 
And I promise you, Christ prayed. I'll give you a word before I close. Christ often, the Bible says, went away to a lonely place and prayed. He went away. He pushed away. He, he, he kept his priorities proper. He kept them straight. I want you to understand that if you're going to call yourself a Christian, you need to read like Jesus read and you need to pray like Jesus prayed. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to be just as disciplined as Christ was. He was disciplined enough, the Bible says, to go to the cross and die for you and me. And so these, we have to understand that when we're looking at these disciplines, church, and I, please understand, I'm not saying this in a condemning way, and I hope you're not receiving that. We need to be careful what we title ourselves. We need to be careful what professions we make and make sure that our life and our disciplines live up to the profession that we're about to make. Amen? So just as it is the business of tailors to make clothes, so it is the business of all Christians to pray. You go ahead and put on the music because I'm going to start to bring this to a close. Because here's what I want you to realize. I want you to understand, church, that prayer, when it comes to prayer, it's so much more than an expectation. Even though it is an expectation, I want you to understand the most important part of prayer is that it is also a royal invitation. I want you to understand that not only does God expect you to pray, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Holy One of Israel, the Almighty God, the only true God, the only wise God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sabaoth, El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God, the one who was and is and is to come, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He invites you and I, people of flesh, to step into His presence and have communion with Him, to talk with Him and walk with Him and rejoice with Him and have relationship with Him. You see, far too often we look at prayer as some empty obligation that we just have to fit into our mundane life. But if you and I would just grab a hold of the fact that the Almighty God has called and invited you and I into His presence to talk and pray... It would change our entire prayer life. It would transform the way we communicate with God. I hope you grasp and understand that. You and I, sinful man, because of Jesus Christ, now has every right to come boldly before the throne room of grace so that we might find help in our time of need. Prayer is an invitation from God. It's not an invitation anyone else can make as powerful as that. God invites us to pray, and we need to understand that, church. So often, like I said, we've got to stop looking at prayer as some mundane task that we just have to check off of our list. We've got to every day realize that the, the God who gave me breath this morning is inviting me into His presence through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ. Listen. You need to understand this invitation used to be reserved only for the high priest. The high priest used to be the only one that could come before God. The high priest was the only one that used to be able to make petition to the Father. 
the only one that could bring burnt offering and sacrifice. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I now boldly, listen boldly, without hesitation, without trepidation, without fear, without anxiety, can step before the Lord with great joy, the Bible says, and talk to God. We can come into communion with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen, when you have a need, Jehovah Jireh, our provider, has invited you to come. When you're sick in body, I want you to understand that Jehovah Rapha, the God who healeth thee, has invited you to come into His presence so that you can find help in your time of need. He doesn't want you to look at yourself and make all kinds of excuses and let the devil say you can't go before Him and you, you, you're filled with sin and you're filled with that and you have no right. No, I don't. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I have received now a royal invitation to stand before the King. And communicate with him. Here's how I want to close. Listen. Before Adam sinned, the Bible tells us that God would come down from his throne. He would come down from this holy, royal place. And it says that he would walk in the cool of the day with Adam and with Eve. How many of you want to walk with God in the cool of the day? That no matter, listen, here's what I want you to know. No matter what trial or tribulation you're going through, no matter what fire is raging around you, you can walk with God in the cool of the day. You can feel the, the sweet breath of God upon your life. But it's only going to happen through this spiritual discipline of prayer. He walked and talked with God. And you and I, because of the, the work of Jesus Christ, now have that same right, that same privilege to come before the Lord. Don't let it go to waste. It's too precious. It's too dear. It costs Jesus Christ too much for us to just throw prayer off like it's a meaningless obligation. If you want to answer the invitation to prayer tonight... I just want you to stand to your feet as a demonstration to say, God, I thank you for that royal invitation. I thank you that your son, Jesus Christ, has made a way for me whose own righteousness is like filthy rags. I'm an unclean man of unclean lips. But because of the work of your son, Jesus Christ, I can come and communicate with you. And I'm going to take advantage of it. That's your prayer. Say, yes, God, that's my prayer. I'm going to communicate with you. I'm not going to look at prayer as an empty obligation but as an opportunity and an invitation to communicate with the King of Kings. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your precious word this evening. I thank you, God, for your anointing that was once again here. I thank you for your truth and your revelation. I thank you, Father, I know in the, the depths of my soul that your word has made it into the hearts of your people. And now I seal that word, O oh God, with the blood of Jesus Christ, that the enemy, nor trial, nor tribulation, nor sickness, nor sorrow, or sadness, that nothing, O oh God, can take that word from our lives, can take that truth that can take the, the revelation. I pray, God, that it would bear fruit and fruit that would last no matter what season we find ourselves in. God, I pray that we would devote ourselves to the spiritual discipline of prayer, that we would devote ourselves and consecrate ourselves, Father God, to prayer and that we would pray continually. I pray, God, that there would be nothing that would get in the way of our communication with you. I thank you, Father, again, for your word and for this this precious invitation 
to stand before you, Father, because of the work of your Son, Jesus Christ. Let us not take it for granted. Let us not overlook its importance or its preciousness, O God, that we as, as sinful earthly beings, carnal beings, God, can come before you boldly that we might find help in our time of need. So, God, I pray that you would bless us with your grace, bless us with your mercy. Thank you for the opportunity to pray and let us become those who pray, Father God, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Can we bless the Lord, church? Amen. A whole lot more I wanted to cover. I'll pick up next week, but we're going to look at so many other things concerning prayer because it's, it's, I believe it's such a foundation that we need to build, maybe some obstacles to pray and then how to pray, and then we'll move on to something else. But if you need special prayer, be happy to tarry with you, pray with you, agree with you. Otherwise, be blessed. Go in the name of the Lord.